Get your Bible. Turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. It's church time. Um, I'm going to take, I was going to do the Lord's Supper and then preach, but it just got, especially during the one hour I got to do the first service here, um, just wasn't possible. So I'm just going to dedicate the whole time to remembering the Lord's Supper. I don't think the Lord would be too upset if we just spent time thinking about his last supper. He actually made it a time of a memorial for us to remember. So let's not make it into something we rush and we don't appreciate. So Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14. I'm not going to show you a PowerPoint. I want you to use your own mind's eye and really put your feet in the shoes of what's being said here and grasp the gravity of what's going on. Exodus chapter 12, every Bible-leaving Christian, that's you and me, needs to look forward to an opportunity to refresh our memory of what Jesus did for us, to give us forgiveness and a whole new life. The world is talking about a huge reset, and they are. I mean, whether you're a Taoiseach or a prime minister or a president, they all want to reset finances, and the, they've got so much debt, they got to get rid of the debt. Um, they want to reset and make it so you can't drive. You're going to have to have Ubers driving you and, or just walking bicycles. They want to reset uh, our, our economy, our climate. It's a great reset. Well, let me tell you, Christians have had a great reset for a long time. It's called Sunday. It's the beginning of, of our week, and it's when we come and we get reset. And the great reset is when we go back to the cross and remember what Christ did. That's, and the cross is built upon an event that goes back to Exodus chapter 12, looking at verse 14. Uh, Exodus 12 and verse 14. This day, God tells Moses to tell Israel, this day shall be unto you for a, do you see the word? Memorial. Something to remember. And ye shall keep it a feast unto to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance, a commandment forever. Now, Every Orthodox Jew throughout history has repeated a memorial of this event called Passover. It happens during March and April uh, every year. And it's supposed, to, it's supposed to remind them of their uh, f being made free from the bondage in Egypt. And so when we come to now, I need you to go to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, we find Jesus coming into Jerusalem with his disciples at the very time of the Passover. And it's a huge crowd who have gathered in Jerusalem. It's going to be a big celebration. It was, it was the founding of their nation. You know, it's, it's like, um, you know, centennial, the bicentennial, all of these things that celebrate the founding of a country's freedom. Well, they were celebrating that as, as Jews. And when he comes in with his disciples, it's, he's, he's going to get them to sit down and celebrate the Passover. And then he's going to do something even more amazing. Okay. He actually, this is his last meal, his last Passover supper. But he's going to start something new all out of nowhere. He's going to start a whole brand new celebration that we still celebrate today. Now, we don't celebrate the Passover. There's nothing wrong with learning from it and, and going back and seeing all of the pictures of the cross and of the, the burial and the resurrection in the Passover. But we celebrate something that's far more amazing. And uh, we're going to look about that today as we remember the Last Supper. Matthew chapter 26, and we'll, um, verse 14, we'll start here. Matthew 26, 14, and it starts with a betrayal. 
Now, if you've ever been betrayed, uh, a lot of different words are used to describe betrayal. It's when somebody sells you out, which means they take advantage of you. Maybe you tell them a secret, then they go and they tell somebody else a secret. And, and they take advantage of that, and you're now seen as low, and they're seen as high and, and, and important. And that's betrayal. Somebody betrayed, took advantage of you. And that's what's happening with Jesus. Look in verse 14, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. Then one of the 12 called, here's his name, Judas. One of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and he said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. Now he didn't have to mention his name. They were just, they were just um, frothing the mouth, chomping to the bit, taking their hands on Jesus without the crowd being around. And he says, I will deliver him unto you. And they convened, they covenanted. They promised with him for 30 pieces of silver. Verse 16, from that time, he, Judas, sought opportunity to betray him. Now, Jesus had given Judas great power, great power to heal, power over demons and devils. He'd given him responsibility. I mean, it's a lot of responsibility to take care of the people's money. The money that people gave for the poor went into a bag that Judas had. I mean, Jesus gave him the responsibility of that bag. So here is Judas. He's got the ability to raise the dead, and he's got a load of money. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of religions. Yet this same Judas was secretly meeting with the Pharisees, planning for the capture and the ruin of Jesus' ministry. There he was, planning. He says, I can make a few more bob. Verse 17, watch how Jesus prepares for the Passover. Verse 17, now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was an eight-day celebration. We see the word feast, we think of food, but it wasn't just food. Feast meant celebration. So the first day of, uh, out of the eight days of celebration, uh, and it's called of unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, uh, Jesus, we're from Galilee. We don't have houses here in Jerusalem. Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Where are we going to have the Passover? Verse 18, and he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, the time is at hand and I will keep uh, and I will keep the Passover at thy house with my, with my disciples. And you'll find out over in the Gospel of Mark and also in Luke that they go out and he says, look for a man carrying a jug of water. Now that, you'd say, what big deal about that? Well, normally women carried the water. Guys were out farming and so the women were running back and forth, washing the clothes and washing dishes and washing kids. And so they're running back and forth. But to see a guy carrying a jug of water is out of place. So they're looking around. They see a guy with a big jug of water on his shoulders. And they follow him. And he says, when you get to his house, tell him, my master needs your home. Um, and uh, uh, I think it's kind of strange. This guy has an upper room. And he has prepared it for somebody he hasn't met yet. Think about this for a moment. Whatever got him thinking, he's preparing his home and he's getting ready for the, the, the Passover. But he says, I don't know why, but I got to go make the room upstairs and set out all the pillows and, and make it comfortable for about 13 guys. Plus a couple of visitors or whatever, whoever's going to be there. 
And then somebody follows this guy all the way home, knocks on the door and says, we were following you. Our master told us to ask you if he could use your upper room. And the guy went, I happen to have it ready for you. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes you'll do things and you not know what it's going to be for or who it's going to be for. And the Lord has already prepared you to be a blessing to someone else. Wouldn't it be nice? And we treat everybody as if they're the Lord Jesus, okay? I don't care who they are. But Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. So never forget that, okay? Then they have the meal. Look there in verse, um, uh, verse 19. It goes on. The disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the even was come, he, Jesus, sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, verily. Now, when he says verily, it's an older word. It means really. Sometimes they use the word truly, actually. Uh, anything you can say where you're getting somebody's attention. And he says, verily I say unto you, this is very serious, that one of you shall betray me. Now, is that serious or not? Imagine, can you sit down at the table uh, and uh, looking at everybody saying, one of you is going to turn me over to the police. That's what he announces. Verse 22, and they were exceeding sorrowful. They're like, this is terrifying. And they began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Could it be me? Would I do such a thing? I'm glad that they were not like we would be. When I say we, I mean 20th century, 21st century Christians are very, we're, we're very protective of ourselves. We'd say, oh, surely it'd be Gavin, Gavin who would do that. Tony, he's got those shifty eyes, you know. I'm sure he would. Do. No, they didn't point at anybody. They pointed at themselves, didn't they? They said, could it be me? Verse 23. And the answer said, he that dippeth with me. Well, I better stop there. I better stop there for a second. Uh, let me go back to the Passover meal because this is important uh, to understand. When it says that they prepared the Passover, I kind of got ahead of myself, forgive me. But did you notice uh, <clears throat> in, when you're reading your Bible, when you're reading about the Passover, the Passover had just five things, okay? It had lamb. It had uh, unleavened bread unleavened wine some bitter herbs how many of you have ever eaten horseradish not not a radish but horseradish it's a lot like horseradish it tastes today very bitter very pungent uh sometimes if you get sauerkraut and it's really sour that's like a bitter herb and then it had a dish of vinegar that they would dip the bread in and that was it, it wasn't a very you know fancy christmas dinner it was a very simple dinner but there was one thing that was missing leaven We'd say yeast. It was not allowed in the house. As a matter of fact, every house, they had to spend uh, hours searching and, and trying to find out if there was any uh, dark areas where they had stored any dishes that had uh, uh, leaven starters anywhere. And so they cleared it all out, dumped it all out in the rubbish they, to start completely over. All the leaven was out. So there was no leaven in the bread, no yeast in the, uh, in the, the, the wine, no fermentation. And they just had a very simple dinner and and what they were doing was they were remembering the Passover so around that table they started experiencing each item the flavor and, and remembering what are we eating and it was always a teaching experience where they would sit down with their children and they would say what is this meat and said it's lamb daddy yeah but why lamb why not cow why not hamburger why not this or that because daddy God said to take a lamb and to take the blood and to put it on the top and the two side posts of the door and to sit inside. And while they ate the, the, the lamb, 
the death angel would pass over them and all the death that was going on would not touch them. And that teaching experience of the Passover, of God's judgment, would come alive to the children, everyone in the house. And as they went over it and they, they talked about it, they would taste the bitter herbs and they go, why is this bitter? What does it remind us of? And the children are supposed to respond because of our bitterness when we were in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And it was no fun, daddy. And now we're free. <clears throat> so they were remembering all of these different things. And the unleavened bread, the reason why it was unleavened was a picture of no sin. And they were realizing that God, all of the past for Israel, all of the failures of the people in the bondage was now forgiven. They were starting off fresh and brand new. So unleavened bread, unleavened wine, <clears throat> we call it grape juice or fruit juice, and that dish of vinegar. And it would last for hours. They would talk about the, the they would read the, uh, the Passover story. They would read Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, and they would sing and they would, they would just enjoy it for hours and hours. And then verse 21, as I said, as they were eating, and I miss this, forgive me for it, but I want you to go back now, verse 21. While they're eating, he just in the middle of it or toward the end of it, he says, one of you is going to betray me. You get the picture? They're laughing, they're enjoying, they're rejoicing, and then, <gasps> what? It was in that moment, in that interruption, and something terrible is about to happen. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be tortured and killed. He actually has told them several times as they, as they walked toward Jerusalem, he says, don't be afraid, but when we get out of Jerusalem, I will be uh, captured, I will be tortured, and I will be crucified. He told them all about it, and they went, all right. He says, and three days later, I'll get back up again. Don't worry, but they weren't listening. Now, I got to point out about Judas here because the truth is Judas is an unusual fellow here. <clears throat> As everybody begins to ask, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Is it I? Guess who also says, could it be me? Judas. <clears throat> We're good at putting on a show, aren't we? Acting like everybody else. Oh, everybody's spiritual. I better act spiritual. Everybody's singing, so I better sing. Everybody's talking about the Bible. I better talk about the Bible. Well, Judas was a faker. He's a con artist he's a thief a swindler a backstabber and judas was unmoved by the seriousness of what he was about to do you ever notice if you've ever been tempted and then given into sin did you did you ever just realize i'm i'm stupid <laughs> no you went after you sinned you went i'm stupid but think about just how hard the heart is when you're about to disobey and go against God. <clears throat> Jesus carefully exposes Judas. Now, he doesn't say, he's the one, all right? <clears throat> he answered, verse 23, and he said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. If you, um, uh, verse 24 on verse 25 will clear it up. Then the Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. I'm just doing what God said would happen. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been better for that man that he had not been born. Verse 25, then Judas, which betrayed him, he answered and said, Master, is it I? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast said. Now, I don't think anybody else heard them. I don't think anybody else was paying attention. But Jesus very carefully says, you're it. You ever played a kid? As a kid, you're a game. You're playing a game where you're chasing one another. And a kid comes up and says, you're it. 
That's where it came from. You said it. You're it. This is why we take time at the, last, at the Lord's Last Supper, when we remember it, to examine ourselves. Because don't think for a moment that everybody who sits in a church is saved. Don't think for a moment that everyone that's, that comes to church is right with God. You've got to realize, Judas, did he do real self-examination? Or was he just sort of just quickly trying to get through this and then head out so he can go make his money? That's why we take time to examine ourselves. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Hold your place here. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. <clears throat> Revelation 3 and verse 14. Jesus is writing to a church. I want you to remember that. And I'll quote to you uh, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. It says, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. You ought to be able to prove it to yourself. Know you're not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be a faker, except you be a Judas. So here we are in Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. If you have a red letter Bible, that, that's telling you what? It's Jesus talking, isn't it? <clears throat> and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen. Every time you're saying Amen, you're actually saying one of Jesus' names. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, Christians, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. <clears throat> I use the example, I like hot, hot coffee. Some people like cold coffee, but I don't know anybody that likes tepid coffee, room temperature coffee. What do you do with, with coffee that's just the same temperature as you put it either in the microwave or you add ice to it? Jesus says, I want you either cold or hot. Verse 16, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What's he doing? He's trying to get them to evaluate. Say, am I hot? Am I passionate for God? Or am I cold? Have I, have I, have I gone back to the world? Am I, but most Christians, when they go back to the world, they try to still say, stay, you know, kind of Christian. Jesus says, I want you either in or out. Because thou art neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, look at me, I'm blessed, and I have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched. This is Christians, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee. I'm reasoning with you. I'm begging you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be truly rich. Now, that, the gold that he's offered is not gold that you can put in your fingers. And I want you to get white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Talk about in heaven, uh, rewards in heaven, uh, white robe in heaven, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, Christians, therefore, and repent. These are words to a church. And the question is, back there in Matthew, are you like Judas, where you're kind of apathetic, where you're kind of not really, you're flipping about who Jesus, he, he's taking advantage of the Son of God. He surely wants the money, he wants the power, but he doesn't realize that he needs Jesus. So, we'll come back to this thought in a few minutes, uh, but I want you to understand 
At that point, Jesus, uh, Judas leaves because the, the Lord's Supper is for true Christians, Christians only. Now, I'm not the policeman. I'm not going to come around and say, you don't belong here or whatever. That's your job. You need to examine yourself and say, am I saved? Do I know that I know that I know that Jesus lives in my heart? We just sang the song, since Jesus came into my heart. If he's there, it ought to show. It ought to be real. It ought to be something that, that people go, they may not be perfect, but they're different than they used to be. They're, they're, they're a lot like Christ. Uh, in a moment, we're going to look at the word worthy of the Lord's Supper. And none of us are worthy of God's grace or his mercy or his love, and yet we get it. But are we worthy of remembering something that never happened to you? Be like somebody celebrating their wedding anniversary, and they never got married. That'd be stupid, huh? Be like somebody celebrating our team won when their team didn't win. And so when somebody celebrates the Lord's Supper, they're celebrating a victory that hasn't happened to them yet. So if you're not saved, I'm going to ask you to not participate. I'm not put off. As a matter of fact, I'd much, I'd, I'd respect somebody who's being honest than somebody who's living a lie like Judas. So none of us are worthy, worthy of his kindness. And yet when it comes to celebrating the Lord's Supper, Jesus wants everyone there. But he wants those who are following them to be there. So, uh, Amazingly, Jesus introduces a greater event for them to remember from now on. Back there in Matthew. Keep going. Um, let's see, where did we leave off here? Um, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So Jesus says, we've just celebrated the Passover. But I'm going to show you that I'm the final Passover. And you should go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 6. No. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5 in verse 6. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. Notice the parallels how Jesus, uh, how Paul is using language of the Passover. And he says, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, your glorying, your rejoicing as a church is not good. Know you not because they were tolerating sin in their church. And he says, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump of, of, of bread dough, leaven being yeast, so purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a whole new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our, what is Jesus? He's our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, 
as Christians now, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice, that's bad attitude, and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and of truth. So the Lord's Supper, as we celebrated here this morning, is a serious presentation of what Jesus did on the cross as the final lamb. There are no more lambs needed. I know the Jews right now would love to rebuild the temple and start over the sacrifices. Let me tell you, there is no more sacrifice for sin. It's done. He's the final lamb. So let's talk about this in verse 26 very quickly. And as they, ate, as they were eating, again, they're eating the Passover. And so he reaches over and he grabs a piece of bread. And it says, as they were eating, he took the bread and he blessed it right there in front of him. He prayed right there and, and thanked God for what was going to happen in the future there in the next day. And he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, I want you to eat this. This is my body. Now, take a step back and go, oh, so he magically turned it into his body? No. Any more than if I held up a picture of my wife, I'd say, this is my wife. It's just a picture. It illustrates his life. His life was sinless, no leaven. His life was simple. He didn't have money and cars and chariots and loads of armies there to deliver him. He had a simple life. And his life was about to be broken for our sin. There's going to be a punishment on him, the innocent, for the guilty. So this is a picture of him. Then he gives that bread and he says, you take, break off a piece. Wow, why are they breaking off a piece? Why is everybody breaking off a piece? Because they're all going to participate in the death of Jesus. Did you realize that? Who put Jesus on the cross? Somebody say the Romans. No, 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 no. Oh, the Pharisees. No, 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 no. I did. It was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. I broke his body. So when we take, now I've got it for COVID. We've got it so it's, it's cut in pieces so you can just grab a piece and you don't have to touch what other people have touched. I understand. You do whatever you need. But he uses a very powerful illustration where he says, guys, I want you to break off a piece and realize you're, now they don't realize it at that point, but you are participating in my death. As a matter of fact, when he was caught, they ran for their lives. Peter, thinking that he would never deny his Savior, he says, I know not the man. He said it three times. He wasn't there to help, stand with, or protect Jesus. It's, it's breathtaking how the pictures at the, at the Last Supper are so powerful about what Jesus had to go through and what we put him through. Um, he then took the cup from the table, verse 27, as we read, and he took the cup and he gave thanks again. And he gave it to them, and he says, drink ye all. Now, when it says all, he's talking, all of you drink it. For this is the blood of the New Testament. In about, uh, I don't know, 18 hours from that time, the Old Testament was going to die on the cross. Everything about the Old Testament, everything about the Old Testament was going to die. And the New Testament was going to come in with the resurrection. This is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for the remission of sins. What does remission mean? The removal, the pardoning, the forgiveness. So he thanked God to be able to take their place. Ha, I, I can't imagine that. I can imagine doing it for my grandkids if my grandkids needed 
my kidney, it'd be stupid, my huge kidney and them. But if somebody that I loved was in my family needed a kidney, I would gladly give my kidney. I would gladly sacrifice part of my life. I wouldn't do it for anybody. But Jesus was doing it for sinners. He was doing it for all the world. He was sacrificing his life and he was thankful for it. That's hard to do. That's why he did it and I didn't. <laughs> it was all happening like it was supposed to. Um, the Old Testament, as I said, was about to die on the cross and a whole new relationship with mankind, Jew and Gentile, was about to start all over, start again. Based upon our faith, that's it. Would you believe that what Jesus did was enough? And then they all drank of that cup. And then verse 29, it's, Jesus says, I'm not finished yet because I'm about to go die, but at the end I will I, but I say to you, I will not drink henceforth. I'm not going to drink anymore of the fruit of the vine, not the fruit of the vat. <laughs> They're not drinking alcoholic. They're drinking fresh vine juice. I will not drink henceforth from this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Even though Jesus was being betrayed at that very moment, even though he would soon be cruelly mocked and beaten for hours on end by the Romans, and even though he would end up being crucified on a cross, Jesus promised I'm coming back. We'll sit down again and we'll have a great time. And believe me, when Jesus got up out of the grave, it, as, as powerful as the crucifixion was to change the world and to bring it to its knees, the resurrection empowers Christians like nothing else. He says, we'll have a celebration then. So if Jesus claims to be, if Jesus is who he claims to be, and he actually died in our place, then he should be able to ask us to live for him and to remember him, to make this the focus, the, the preaching of the cross is the main focus of any good Bible-believing church. So let's remember the Lord's Supper now. I'm going to ask Darren if you'll come up and John if you will help me. We're going to actually participate and partake of the Lord's Supper here. <clears throat> if you'll look to, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to turn that thing off. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Because Paul refers to all these things and very simply goes through. I remember talking to a Catholic priest many years ago over in Blarney. And um, I, I asked him about the Mass and the Eucharist and everything. And I says, where does that come from? And he says, through years, through decades and hundreds of years of of exploring the meaning of the Eucharist. And I said, okay, did you know it's all laid out in 1 Corinthians 11? And I read it to him and he says, that's too simple. <laughs> that's so primitive. And I said, hold it right there. This is not primitive. This is the pattern. This is the memorial. This is all you're supposed to do. So let's do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul starts off and he says, For I have received of the Lord. I got it straight from Jesus. That which also I have now delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, that's when he took bread. Simple bread. You ever been to somebody's house and what do people want to give you? Cake and, and special foods, you know? And, and, and you know, have a, we got a special cup of Barry's tea, you know? But Jesus took bread. The most simple. If I sat down in your house and you pulled out a piece of bread, you know, from the cupboard and just put it on a plate and handed it to me, you know, it, most people look at it and says, that's kind of 
the, the least you could do. And yet that was all Jesus needed. He took bread and he made a very simple procedure here. Uh, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, again, he's quoting from Matthew, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do only in remembrance of me, not to continue the sacrifice, but just to remember the sacrifice. Verse 25, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament on my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye drink this bread, I'm sorry, as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, it's a very simple procedure. Bread and juice. And all you're doing is you're just remembering what he did. Now, how serious this is, he starts off in verse 27. He says, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So who are we talking about? Who was guilty of betraying Jesus? Judas. Now, I'd want to ask you, do you want to be like Judas? Then examine yourself. All the other disciples did, and I believe that they were much more passionate about examining themselves than Judas was. Judas was the last person to say, could it be me? Because everybody else had said it, so he just went along with it. Don't you dare just go along with things. Examine yourself. Verse 28, that's why he says in verse 28, but let a man, let a woman, examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup what is it god wants god doesn't want oh i don't want anybody except the super spiritual to eat no he said i want everybody just examine yourself so that you can eat of that bread and drink of that cup as serious as it is examine yourself verse 29 why for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily we'd say this if you eat it and you drink this cup acting like you're a Christian and you're not a Christian. Look what it says. Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So Christians, can you imagine coming to church and you just had a, 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 a real knockdown fight between you and your wife and you're sitting at church and probably best not to eat the Lord's Supper today. <laughs> because you need to get things right. Now, you can, but probably you need to talk to her or talk to him, get the things right, catch it next time. We gotta take this serious because he says examine yourselves because if you do it unworthy, don't just say unsaved. Being unsaved is you're unworthy of celebrating this. But if, you're, if you've got any leaven, if you've got any sin that you're struggling with that is dominating your life, every one of us struggle with some sins, okay? That's not the problem of being perfect. But please look at your life and go, you know what? This week has been a nightmare of a week. I have just given it to temptation after temptation. Wow. Now that I'm examining myself, I'm ashamed. Okay, good. Do you know what you, you know how long it would take you to get right? That fast, if you'd repent. You say, Lord, I want to eat of that bread. I want to remember your sacrifice for me that freed me. And so right now I repent and I ask you, please forgive me. I want to remember your death for me and I want to live differently now. Good. Take it serious. Examine yourself. Um, and then participate. Um, let's remember him right now, okay? So we're going to take the bread. Verse 23, I've received the Lord 
That which also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. So, uh, again, very simple. This bread is not going to make you any more spiritual than anybody else. This doesn't make anybody more spiritual. As a matter of fact, when you eat it, you go, it doesn't have any fancy flavors. There's no sugar. There's no flavoring. There's no fluffiness. It's just plain bread. What are we remembering? Jesus. Why do we love him? Not because he's wealthy and powerful and earth shaker. No. But his plain life honored God. And his simple life was so pure, it could take my place on the cross. And I love him because he loved me. End of story. And so when we look at this and we take this, so I'm going to ask as we pass this out, um, I'm going to go ahead and give this to you. And John, if you'll take this side, just take a piece. You can take a piece off. I'm not worried about code. If you're not, you can break a piece off or you can take a piece that has been already cut. And just hold on to it. We're not going to uh, rush. The Bible says tarry one for another. So just hold on to it. We're going to pray and then we will all be together at the same time. We will take and eat it. <clears throat> If you're not sure you're saved, don't take it. If you, if you know that you know that you know you're saved and you're right with God, you're not perfect. I hate saying all these things so that you don't imagine, well, I'm not quite right. No, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> if, there's, if there's something really just got a grip on your life that's just a sin that you haven't been able to get the victory over, okay, let's talk about that. But, boy, if you've examined yourself and said, Lord, I've confessed everything I know, good. Let's remember that his death paid for all that sin no matter how messed up the sin is he paid for every one of them so take this moment right now let's bow our heads in prayer and very quietly just let the lord remind you of something maybe this week maybe something that just reminded you how frail you are and how easy it was to just fall into sin not just attitudes but actions and words examine yourself for just a moment Father in heaven, sometimes it's hard to examine ourselves because we're not used to it. We're so critical of everyone else. And when we try to look at ourselves, it, it hurts too much. But this morning, help us. Help us see ourselves as we, we really are. Wrong thinking. Wrong desires. Cruel words wandering eyes, covetousness, dishonor. Man, we could go on forever. Lord, we're a mess, but we don't want to be. And we're just grateful that you died to free us from all those things. And they wash up on us. They come out from time to time, but we're not in bondage to them anymore. Just like the Jews were no longer in bondage to Egypt, we are not in bondage to our sin. We are free. So as we remember what made us free, help us to remember it was at great cost. It took 
took the life of Jesus being broken for sinners like us. Only one word explains it, that's love. So we'd like to tell you we love you too. Would you now help us to remember the greatest thing of all, the greatest act, the greatest time, and that's Jesus dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Can you imagine? The disciples have had a wonderful few hours, and this is so somber and so serious. They're, they're not sure what's coming next. They're, 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 they're hanging on every word. This is like so different than the, the, than the environment. And Jesus goes on, and he takes a cup. Now, we split them up. So now they didn't have a gold chalice or a goblet or something. Just had a normal clay cup, pottery cup. He said, this cup is a whole New Testament. In here is a picture of my blood, which is going to be shed just like the lamb's blood was shed and made it possible for God's judgment to pass over the believers. So also does my blood make it possible for you to be forgiven of all sin. This cup is the New Testament. It's in my blood. And he wanted all of them to take one. And if you guys would take a tray and pass it around. They began to take a sip and pass it from one to another. What were they thinking? How could they comprehend all this? I guarantee you, that night, everything was just so out of the ordinary. But after the resurrection, they couldn't get it enough. In Acts chapter 2, it says almost daily they were celebrating the Lord's Supper. Jesus didn't say you should do it every day. He didn't say do it once a year. He says as often as you do it, as often as it becomes something that's so important to you. Again, not to make you more spiritual, but actually, you know what this, what this remembrance does? It makes you more humble. So don't drink it yet. Hold on to it for just a moment. It brings you down, and it resets everything, and boy, it just thrills you to go, that's why I'm a Christian, because he did that for me, and I believe it. If it's stuck in there, then grab another one. Hopefully it won't be stuck. Darren, I forgot to ask John to pray, but Darren, if you, as, as remember, he took the cup and he thanked God for what was about to happen. Would you thank God that it did happen? Let's pray.
else. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Remember it was him. If you would do me a favor and pastures to the outer edges and Darren will come and pick them up. There in um, Matthew, we didn't read it. It says, after they finished that last supper, they sang a hymn. As they left and they went, do you know where they were going after the last supper? You might want to take a guess. Where were they headed? To the Garden of Gethsemane. They were headed out. And Jesus, it was, it was nighttime. It was way dark, uh, maybe 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Out there headed where Jesus was going to pray all night, remember? And they sang a hymn. So we're going to sing. I can turn this thing back on. I get there. Victory in Jesus. We'll sing it slow. But I just want you to remember the victory that we have in Jesus. Stand with me. A little slower. A little slower. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning then I repented of my sin and I won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. We'll stop with that. If you're not saved, talk to me. Before you go out of here, say, I couldn't participate in the Lord's Supper. Amen. You can get right with God. It, it, there's no ceremony, there's repentance. It's you just saying, Lord, I'm a mess and I want to be right. And, and that reminds me that you did everything to make me right. I can't get right. I can't even do right, but I can believe and I can trust. So never, never let anything reset your life like this does. Okay, disasters come and they go, but this is what brings us back to the point where I now, I remember the day I got saved because I trusted Jesus' life being shed, his blood being shed, and his life being broken for me on the cross. But if you're not saved, talk to me afterwards. I'd, I'd love to show you how to be born again. The rest of us, let's live like he's worthy of our lives now, okay? Brother Tony, would you close us in prayer? Yes. Amen.
Amen. Mm. Amen, amen. God bless you all.